listen to me. Don't say anything. Just let Clink and Barris do all the work. Sit back and coast. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, today is the day that we've already done three times, but this might be the first time or the second time or the third time. And it might be, in fact, the prime time today on Because You Watched Wish Star Crash. Me, Mike Vanderpool, the adjunct Michael Clink, and Dr. Love, L-U-V, a.k.a. Dr. Alan Barris, are here today to talk about a 2004 film, independent film, that discusses time travel called Primer. As this is our season in Because You Watch Star Crash, where we talk about time travel travel films, we decided to prime the pump, pun intended, with Primer. And this was your pick, Michael Clink, so tell us a story. About this movie? Just any story. I don't <laughs> care right now. Just fill time. So this is an independent film uh, that was made in 2004. <laughs> Wow. For the princely sum of $7,000. But it's a time travel film about... Okay, so this is what I understand about this, this film. It's a time travel film about these engineers that don't know what they're making and stumble upon time dilation and then are able to figure out time travel. How much does time have to dilate before a new universe is born? <laughs> Well, you until, said dilation. Of course, I'm going to go the there. That's the proper term. Time needs to dilate until it winks at you. We might need to cut that. Anyway. <laughs> oh, Alan is already analyzing the film. Oh, my God. <laughs> now we definitely have to cut it. So, well, these, the, out of this team of four people, four engineers, these two guys are kind of the main main two that uh, Aaron, Aaron and Abe. Aaron and Abe. And Aaron and Abe... Well, Abe figures out that you one you can go back in time uh, uh, a whole day. So uh, we'll get to that there because that's kind of confusing. But actually, so, this is the most accurate time travel film I've ever seen in my whole life. Yes, and that's what that's what it's been known for. That's why one of the reasons and why that time travel will be boring and thought up by boring boring dweebs got it <laughs> yes the people who are trying to work on time travel will not find it the people who are actively not trying to find it will be the ones that find nobody it. nobody who has ever touched a boob will discover time travel <laughs> apparently the one guy's married though yeah and you can see how deeply intimate their marriage <laughs> is oh look i'm doing dishes again Anyway, can you say retroactive gender roles? But anyway, oh, yes, you can. You're engineers. Anyway, it's 2004. So, yeah, it's going to have some problematic. This is a period piece. <laughs> this is a period piece. Yes. Um, I like this movie. Okay. I know I was ranting at first in our uh, discord about it. Um, and that was primarily probably because of the amount of weed and alcohol I'd consumed at that point. Wow. But as I watched it. It's actually a really, really, really good art house film. It's not a good movie. It is a very interesting experimental film for one key thing. And that is, uh, so Johnson in his book, Everything Bad is Good for You. I think this is like the fourth or fifth time I've referenced this in this Mm -hmm. podcast. Uh, He talks about the concept of the red flashing arrow, which is something that he says that TV and movies and especially movies have really developed because, and his argument is this is 
partly out of respect for the audience, but then it eventually flips over into total disrespect for the audience, that it just becomes too easy to see everything. If you know the laws of, of how shots are composed, you will never be surprised by anything in a main Hollywood movie for the most part. Uh, if the soundtrack doesn't give it away. So um, there are no red flashing arrows in this. In fact, they went out of their way to not include any of those. Which is the problem, though, for this movie. Oh, yes. And, but it's a very interesting experiment, and it is super useful as a thing to think about. Like, what is the proper level of red flashing arrow to get us through a movie? So I really appreciate it for that. And I also appreciate it for the fact that, well, I mean, it's it's an interesting enough story. I mean, I watched it like twice and it was only partially because I was uh, a little too far into my martinis to understand <laughs> it the first time through. And uh, I mean, I mean, it, it does its job. I mean, it does its job remarkably well. It's just. It presents an interesting story that is makes you think and have a robust discourse afterwards. That's not the definition of a movie, right? at least right. movies now. Um, and when we talk about the red flashing arrow, one of the people that I think really uh, did uh, an appropriate amount of that was Hitchcock mm -hmm. in films yeah. like Notorious. Um, I believe there's the shot of the wine bottle. Like when he wanted you to notice something, it was right there and put in front of you. Um, I don't know if he beat you over the head with it, no, I don't think he did. Yeah. But this film, it, it, I tried to identify points of exposition in this film, and there is none. They don't explain anything. Uh, <laughs> only the voiceover. And the voiceover that, is intentionally vague and not actually a voiceover. So it's, it's kind of like the guy from... It's not a narrator, well, I guess. I it's not, no, it's not. I don't think it's like that, but kind of. But it's mostly Neo from the end of The Matrix, the first one. Is that a time travel movie? No, no. Okay, good. I, I, I don't want to have to watch it again this season. <laughs> but no, the thing is, though, with that, at the very end, uh, Neo calls a number, and then he goes, this Bingo? is what you're going to do. Oh. And, and then he starts talking, and this is kind of how this movie starts, with uh -huh. you're not going to talk, this is what you're going to do. And then he starts narrating very monotonely, um, this story and actually there's a youtube video where they just take the bits where he's talking mm -hmm. um on the phone and it makes no sense whatsoever if you put it because you're supposed to have already have when he's talking the story you're watching is him talking okay filling it in i'm still so i'm more confused now than i watched the movie okay did you like this movie alan I I like half like it. I, I think it's definitely it was definitely worth watching. It's definitely worth talking about. I well, I don't right like I don't like the main characters, but that's because I don't like 20 something to maybe 30 something engineers for the most part. <laughs> fair, fair. Um, I mean, there are lots of exceptions. I mean, my my own my own father, my own father was a uh, was an engineer, but uh, that explains everything, Alan. But <laughs> well, yes, we always rebel against uh, yes. those that do the most for us. But um, the the line in this movie that just like highlighted what fucking planet are you guys on was the weird guy 
who tells them about the protein buildup. The guy who's in the lab and he's wearing the protective gear. Yes. And they have the line, do you know what they do with old engineers or, or, or engineers when they turn 40? Mm-hmm. And the response is they take them out and shoot them. Yeah, I was like, no, they become <laughs> like managers or they like start another startup. And, you know, they, you know, work like everybody else. You don't get sent to the to the like dumbass factory where they put you in like, I don't know, saran wrap and make you work telling people uh, like dumb Laurel and Hardy bits. That sounds like a phenomenal job. I should go back in time and reset even what this podcast is. No, oh, geez. Because okay. you watch Star Crash is a podcast yes everyone you're listening to a podcast, <laughs> yeah, to a podcast. that is a red flashing oh. arrow for you all because we do not respect you <laughs> hey I, I should have started out with a with a narration to myself maybe that's what i'll do afterwards wow. um but because you watch star crash is a as a podcast that we've done for quite a few a uh, couple of years now this is lasted pretty long we're in we're in season five time travel season. And this all started because I watched the movie, roped these two into talking about them. And, and the rules of engagement typically are, uh, did, was the film uh, successful in what it was trying to accomplish? Um, and then we talk about WTF moments, which there are a few in this. And then we talk about, uh, Alan always leads us in a round of exceptional quotes from the film. I have no notes. I'm going oh, full off script. I have um, lots of notes. That's what I was hoping. This is one of those movies that I knew I would just have to come and say things and then you guys would make it more better. So listen to me. Don't say anything. Just let Clink and Barris do all the work. Sit back and coast. I am actually going to take that and put it at the front of the podcast. <laughs> Thank you, Alan. So uh, off topic, but on topic, if we ever wanted to do a um, off season where we don't do anything, but we have quote unquote new episodes. Okay. Power Rangers. Money more from Power Rangers. When they wanted to uh, do um, uh, reruns of the original series. Uh, you filthy millennial. Anyway, continue. <laughs> wow. They had a thing where they, they said at the very, very beginning of each episode that Rita went back in time to try and stop. They're trying to hurt the Power Rangers and take over, but it, they would just play the old, old episodes. We can do a bottle episode of our podcast. <laughs> we can lock ourselves in a closet and talk about all the things we did in the past. Say, Vanderpool, do you remember the time that we did this? <laughs> yes. And then, and then we talk, and then we have the the audio. From yes, it. the clip show, not a bottle episode. It'll be like, yeah, okay. What's a bottle episode? A bottle episode isn't is- every podcast a bottle episode because like it's as low budget as you yeah. can get. Yeah, like the only thing that would be more low budget is if we just stopped. <laughs> yeah. or just yeah shout. actually use it using a That's clip show <laughs> using a clip show would actually be more work than editing yeah, the podcast. yeah yes, would. that would be true i'll get the transcripts ready oh jeez. what are we talking about primer <laughs> you didn't wait for anybody to respond <laughs> nope i love this movie the more i think about it the more i like it because it is it definitely a film that uh I noticed a lot of things because of some of the things they were doing cinema, cinema, cinematographically with the cinematography, with the shooting. Specifically when Abe, who is Poor uh, Abe. the blonde guy, yeah. uh, exits from the time travel box the first time. The first time we see that is on the roof. 
And we get that big bright white light of him leaving a dark space, which replicates the leaving of the box. He goes onto the roof and there's the intentional camera movement that goes over his shoulder and then comes back, which was dramatically different than anything that they had done uh, with the camera prior to that. And that was when I was like sweeping vistas of suburban Texas on top of that. Isn't that delightful? And that's how Texas looks. (laughs) And and that's where I, I was inebriated when I watched this and like really inebriated and I felt like I understood everything. So now whether that was because I was drunk and was just like, you know, not knowing or actually did know when I went back or afterwards, when I read some of the stuff online about the structure and organization and, and explanation, I was like, Duh. I thought this I movie was easy to get. I thought it was whatever. Well, you that's, just- <laughs> but, I, but that's what I'm saying. I, I, cause I'd heard that up front that it was a little complex movie, but then as I'm watching it, I'm like, I know everything kind of that's going on and how it's all connected but I wanted to check myself and then that stuff I read and I'm like, Oh yeah, it's painfully obvious. This is what's going on. So either I'm a genius or I should just get drunk more. Wow. Or you are knee deep at an attack of the Dunning Kruger uh, phenomenon. <laughs> that is my middle name. Seriously. Yes. Michael Dunning Vanderpool. Oh, I thought it was Michael Dunning Kruger Vanderpool. <laughs> no, we dropped the hyphenation when we came over on the boat. So my question is, for movies in general, because you're a person that has made and been a part of making movies. He's talking to me. I'm sorry. Vanderpool. Humble listener at home. Humble listener. So we talked about the red arrows. Yes. If let's take the most obvious basic movie, which is a Marvel movie. So Mm -hmm. any movie that Marvel is the MCU is made. Okay. They're very much, they want the audience to understand what's happening and then they'll have like little Easter eggs, but that's not important to the plot. Yeah. So You're cool if you notice them, but they don't change your. Exactly. Well, they enhance, they don't make. Yeah. Yes. If Marvel were to have made, and they won't, but if, if they would have made a movie where they took out all the red arrows. And they won't. We, You're right. And they won't. Yeah. But I'm saying like, this is just an example of overall Hollywood. Hollywood. If they were to have done that, would they have made a movie that makes you think? And that's why this movie is good because it makes you think about it because you have to piece it together. So in all honesty, this is like Pulp Fiction. It's a gimmick. Yeah. It's an interesting thing, but it's the gimmick that makes it worthwhile talking about. But Pulp Fiction does have flashing arrows. So again, you can piece together the timeline of, of Pulp Fiction pretty easily and actually feel like you mostly understand the movie the first time you watch it. Whereas primer, I don't know if maybe if the sound design was a little bit better, maybe I would have caught more on that first run or maybe had they just given us like a clear shot of Granger at any particular point. Cause they keep talking about Granger and I don't even know if we ever see his damn face like, uh, at the pool party. Here's Granger. I think yeah, they're talking about him, but I don't even know if we see him at that point. Because yeah. they're talking about trying to get his, uh, trying to get him on their side. Yeah, for some yeah. venture and, capitalism or for some capital to promote their endeavor or fuel their. And endeavor. then when they chase it, chase down his future, his future double that is very mysterious because I don't know if we ever find out. No. Well, there's no explanation in any way of why. So, well, 
let's 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 take a baby step back um because the filmmaker is also the lead actor also did the score for this oh he did the score for it too yeah oh yep. he's also an ex or former engineer yeah so yeah. there is some there is authenticity in the dialogue which yeah. was intentional um he wanted to he wanted to put you into their situation without having to explain it and i feel like he did a really good job with that so clink yeah tell us the rules of time travel that are established and here. explain this- why we needed that argon again <clears throat> what i'm not gonna explain that so the time box requires- was the argon just because it's cool anyway i thought it was for cooling or something <clears throat> anyway because i when i watched this and 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 thought about the time travel in it it it's interesting where it shows like quantum leap back to the future, even some of the multiverse stuff, there's snippets of it around this time travel. Yeah. The rules so, of this time travel. So in that box, first off, they don't know what they're making. Yes. That bothered me. Well, no, they, 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 well, they were trying, they were making something that increased, reduced the gravity on an object. And their initial thought was that the uh, money-making part of it, would be that it would help reduce shipping costs because they could make things lighter. See, I didn't catch that. Yes, but you should have more. That time. is intensely dumb, by the way. That well, is like the definition of I have discovered the key to the universe and I'm going to use it to make Amazon a few more bucks. But, but they, that but, is but, so dumb. <laughs> but, but they didn't know that. They didn't. They didn't know that. Uh, they only switched their gears to time travel and exploiting the stock market after it was revealed that their weightlessness experiments or, or reduced weight experiments also incorporated time travel. But they even say, what the hell is this thing? Yes. That's a quote that I wrote down. Cause I'm like, you don't know what you're making first off. That's an issue, but no, that's, that's also, but that's also um, where innovation and experimentation are, are accurately represented in here because so much innovation does not come from what you're actually trying to do. It's usually a byproduct of, some assumption that you're making that is absolutely wrong. But if I didn't know that, what you just said about reducing gravity to kind of uh, uh, improve shipping. Mm-hmm. I did not I, catch. I didn't catch that. Yeah. So we didn't catch that. So I'm thinking they're which just is, making a box or they're making something. Hilarious because they went with the his, Hitchcockian, is that a word, version of they showed a decimeter or decimeter, whatever the, the term is. And that's where the, I think there was some confusion of it went from 7.6 or 7.7 down to 6.6. Yeah. yeah. The, the close up shot of that was the reduction of weight and or mass. And yeah. it was, huh. okay. it was a flashing arrow. But I didn't Without, understand. It wasn't, but they didn't explain it. They showed the it. Problem. So it wasn't a flashing arrow. It was an arrow, but it wasn't flashing. And that was the scene with the yeah. weeble, right? Yes. Their yeah. test yeah. subject. Yeah. So, in the box, in the box of the Weeble that they make, one minute outside of the box. So in our time, if you go are in the box, this this is the smaller box that they first make. They haven't discovered time travel yet. Yep. Inside the box, it, it goes from A to B to A to B 1,300 times. That's what they said. So it, it travels back and forth, back and forth, back and forth really, really fast. One minute inside the outside the box is 22 hours and 27 minutes inside the box. So if you leave it going for a day, that's months and months of stuff. That's why that when they went to uh, talk about the fungus that is growing mm-hmm. on the, the object, it only happens if you leave it still for X amount of time, for a long time. That was interesting because that was very much a J.J. Abrams, hey, here's the thing, just go for the ride, because there are a lot more explanations than time travel for why the fungus grew faster. Yeah. So- that's interesting because then you could, I don't know, 
wine or alcohol, you can age that faster. Right. That would have been a better business venture. <laughs> but I mean, there's a lot of things that if you have time that you need yes. to wait for, you things, can make diamonds and oil. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So there's that. And then they figure out that, well, Abe, poor Abe. I like Abe. Abe is the best one of the two. Abe is a really interesting character. He does everything smart. He's like, okay, I took myself out of the timeline. So let me, let me, let me yeah. start. So Abe figures out that if you can control when you leave the box, you can travel back in time because what happens is you, if it's the 1300 trips for the little object goes from a to b to a to b meaning that a and b are the points that it enters and the points that it leaves the box Mm -hmm. so if you can control when you leave the box then you can control which part of time you are exiting Mm -hmm. so abe figures that out he makes his own box in a storage unit he goes there he's this is where i don't necessarily understand it but he goes there spends six hours in the box i'm sorry he goes there, turns on the box. Let me back up. He goes there, turns on the box. So when you turn on the box, that's when you exit the box. Okay. He then, Abe one, we're going to call him Abe one. Yes. Or Abe prime. Abe prime. Abe one. That's Abe one. Cause it's Abe two. <laughs> Abe one goes then to a hotel room, shuts off everything, turns off the, um, puts, do not disturb on, takes his phone away. turns that off. He uh, unplugs the phone. He unplugs the TVs. He just stays there for six hours and takes himself out of any causality that would happen. When that's done, Abe one then goes into the box at the end of the day and exits when Abe one turns the box back on. So now Abe one turns into Abe two because he exits the box right when Abe one goes to the hotel. And so that that's how that happens. So he can relive the day now under knowing what's going on because he can look up stocks, go turn on the box, go to the hotel, go back to the, uh, to the box, go in the box and then ex- exit the box that day, that morning. Mm-hmm. So then he can know what stocks to get and then, and then buy stocks. And, and, and that's where I have a comparison to quantum leap where Sam Beckett was bound by a finite, a period that he could go back and forth in. Mm-hmm. And that's it actually, was completely different, but it was still, there was, there were still bound. And that's actually scientists have, have talked about if they ever made a time travel machine, they would only get to travel back to this point that they made the machine that they turned on the machine because yeah. So they wouldn't be able to go back to prehistoric times or go back to Abe Lincoln or anything like that because or kill Hitler or kill Hitler, whatever. So there is a TV show. Oh crap. What was it called? Not seven days. I think it was called seven days. There was a TV show where this guy went back in time. Uh, he only had seven days. He had a week go back in time and stop major events from happening. It was on sci-fi. It was a pretty good show. But the problem is when he went back in time to stop that event, the first episode, he knew that some, this, this team won this basketball game. So he spent all of his savings on betting on this team to win this basketball game when he went back. But the problem is when he went back, he made different uh, molecules in the air move, which then created a butterfly effect, which then made the team that he bet on lose. So he lost all of his money. This it's more likely that the bet that he made influenced what the bookies wanted the result to be. And therefore they were the ones that changed the outcome versus probably that too. But, but I mean, it could be the air too. It could be a whole bunch of different factors. Like Mm -hmm. the air made this one uh, basketball player sick because uh, some virus traveled over to him instead or whatever. 
So with this, at first, it's it seems like it's a single timeline theory where everything that happens in the past already has happened, so you can't change the past at first. Right. Then it seems like they change it because they start changing small events to see if that'll make a huge impact or if, that, if they can change small events. This stock market thing, I thought would have at first would have been them knowing, hey, Amazon's going to go up 300%. Let's buy all the shares we can. And then when they go, go back in time, Amazon actually goes up 50% or not even that much. And they don't make as much money because they've influenced that. Right. Which although, this isn't the case. Although they would have, in order to influence a market like that, they'd have to buy. Yeah, they do. They do it, and they do cover that in the narration that uh, again, or the narrative that, that when they're explaining what they're doing, that they can only that whatever they're investing is not enough to uh, influence yeah. the system. That's true. But the entire time, there's this underlying thing of this party, and that's kind of the main the main crux of this. I think of this story. There's this party where I think it's Abe's girlfriend, Rachel. Is that his girlfriend? Yes. Uh, yeah. Or his. Abe's girlfriend is uh, Thomas Granger's daughter. Yes. Yeah. And Abe's girlfriend's ex is friends with a guy that Aaron, the other main white dude. No, they're all white. Well, no, there is one non-white person in this movie. Yeah. But Aaron knows a guy and invites him to a party. The guy that Aaron invites is friends with Rachel, who's Abe, the other the, the other uh, mind character. This is going to be complicated. <laughs> it, the explanation it, of this movie is more complicated than the movie itself. I think true. that is the underlying problem. That is true. But the point is... Not at, just us, everybody. At this party, the ex then comes in, has an altercation with, his, his, uh, with Abe's girlfriend, Rachel. Goes into, the ex goes into his own car, grabs a shotgun... And starts parading that around. Aaron, who's also at the party, stops the shotgun, the wielding guy from doing anything. Yes. And thus be, is respected as a hero. Yes. Which the first time, the first time that he's actually referred to as a hero is by the non-white other engineer, one of the original four, mm -hmm. who just in passing dialogue call, Nate calls him hero. But I did not notice that the first time. Jackie, my wife, did the yeah, first time. But so I, everything in this movie is is there. It's just again not flashing. And the problem is, if they could have made that a little bit more prominent, that would have helped. I think understand because he just in passing goes, "Oh yeah, did you hear? There was a there was an incident at this party." Da da da. And the name's like, "What are you talking about?" And then they explain it, but they explain it very weird, and they explain yeah. it again, like Alan was talking about. With the sound being very muted. Yeah. But, so let's go back to the ground rules of the podcast, which Vanderpool reviewed for us. So if our our first task is always, so what were people setting out to do? And then our second task is to determine whether they achieved it. I would have to judge that uh, this is exactly the movie that the filmmaker wanted to make. Uh, I think he showed a remarkable degree of control over this. I mean, right down to doing the composition, too. And he wants it like this. This is his intention. 
So the issue is I at least partially disagree with the idea of the third part of the question, which is, is this worthy of doing or would I have done it differently and would have liked a different movie somewhat better? And I think with that third question, my answer would be, well, yeah, I'd I'd like more flashing arrows. But for the document that the director was making, he definitely wanted it like this. He went out of his way to craft a story and he's seen movies. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, this is not a man who was raised in a basement. He is or or who is a total um, self-taught auteur like, say, James Nguyen, the maker of Birdemic who I <laughs> highly doubt he has ever seen a non-Hitchcock movie because uh, he does not understand modern filmmaking in the slightest. Um, this guy does, and he's doing the exact opposite. He is saying, damn it, I am not doing any of that crazy stuff. Story-wise, script-wise, yes. But cinematically, or, or cinematography with the camera movement and the shot framing and what he does with the camera and some of the editing, he's very competent. He knows what he's doing oh, more yeah, so yeah, than, yeah. than a lot of people. Yeah, he's doing exactly what he yeah. wants here. I mean, even even the, the one um, sequence that probably, I'm going to argue, is the most questionable early on. Because the first 10 minutes of this movie, is they're just establishing the world that they're playing in. There's nothing riveting that goes on in there, I don't think. Well, it's these doofuses there in is. the garage or around the table. There is. I'm excited to hear. The first time Abe comes up to Aaron to talk to him about the time travel device that he discovered, or he the, the little object that has the fungus on it. Yeah. That's it, not in the first 10 minutes. Well, that's the first part of the movie, though. Is it? Like The first part of the movie is them kind of like hanging out in the garage it's their go it's their go then, nowhere startup yeah yeah, yeah. And, okay and, and yeah. then goes yeah. into the the around the dinner table and they're talking about establishing a little bit of the conflict of the group that creates the separation and by the way the i would love to know what yeah. other projects their startup was working on dudes <laughs> they, they do dudes 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 wait 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 shut up i got an idea i'm gonna 3d print <laughs> a beer cooler <laughs> Well, they could have other ideas. You don't know. Not time travel, but other ideas. Those other two guys had no damn ideas. <laughs> <laughs> but the first time that there's anything really sus, for lack of a better phrase, is after the, the machine does its thing and it either cuts to black or fades. I think it cuts to black and then dissolves in from black. And Abe is laying on the floor of an apartment. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that, that was like, what just happened? Did, did this machine actually like throw them in a, do something to them that put them in this state? Because we have no explanation as to how he got there fully dressed in his, and we should say all the, they're in white shirts and ties the entire time. Although sometimes we lose the ties. Yeah. Yeah. Or the ties get tucked. Typical yeah, engineer yeah. working on something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I used to be an engineer. Did you guys know that? No. I used to tuck my tie. Yeah. I may have stuck my tie in, but that was because I would work on video games at a restaurant. We're not going to talk about that. We're not going to talk about that. Talk about that? No, okay. we're not going to talk about that. I, that. Used a, I used a tie tech because I wasn't some poindexter anyway. <laughs> <laughs> that actually is explained later on in the movie, though. What's that? When the he wakes out or the. Yeah. Whatever? Okay. When he wakes up, that's explained. And also when he, like you're talking about, when Abe 
is coming out on the balcony and then there's that shot over his shoulder going down. Yep. That's explained too. But the yes. explanation because they do that twice. Yeah. But the explanation for him waking up is this is towards the end of the movie. Aaron wants to go back and change things. Abe figures out that's probably not a good idea. He had already made a backup machine that he turned on right when he figured out that, that he can, or right when he thought he could do time travel. Right. So that he can go back and stop every or all of this from happening if he needs to, like a, a failsafe. Which is what they call it in the movie, a failsafe. Yeah. A failsafe machine. Yes. Abe then goes back and he, to the, before he, before Abe one goes back in time or time travels, Abe, whatever this is from the future, goes back and actually gasses himself and takes himself out of the timeline so that Inci- he can create things. Incidentally, a scene that is uh, actually pretty effective at, at, at being shocking because we haven't really seen any particular acts of violence in this yet. And yeah. it's just kind of, I mean, it's just the like clamping down of the mask and all of that. It's, mm-hmm. it's, it's very unsettling in a way that that would not be unsettling and say any other kind of movie. Well, uh, and around the same time you have Aaron who like drugs his. And that was shocking too. Yeah. yeah that was, that was more violent even. Yeah. Cause we don't even know if that guy's dead. <laughs> yeah. That's why I understand this movie. Cause I fell asleep during the most difficult parts. But See, then when, and, and what's interesting. So, this is all from that uh, that cheap, cheap video that I watched because I wanted to make sure everything. When mm-hmm. I cheated too, anyway. Exactly. Mm-hmm. When Aaron and his wife are talking about the rats that are in the attic, that's prime. That's first. It's Aaron one in the, in attic. the attic. Yeah. And then you have so Aaron two. They they mention was the first one to drug Aaron one, and then you have Aaron five, the the super uh, future Aaron goes back and is going to try and take out his second self and they just talk and he just leaves. So there's three errands in this timeline now. Mm-hmm. There's two apes. That's five. It's five people total. I know <laughs> but I'm saying. So there's three errands running around the world. Now there's two apes running around the world. Two of those guys are actually running. They're doing their normal daily, everyday life. But then the other ones are have to go and make up a new one. Well, that's that was what was really interesting about having the multiple people in the same universe is that they specifically said they couldn't have the same identity. Yeah, not that they right. couldn't coexist, but that well, they because could the not system the would identity. obviously catch them. I mean, if two people are using the same credit card at this and accidentally do it at exactly the same time or you get caught on video footage or whatever, then you're going to get caught. It wasn't some of the um, uh, uh, true or not what's used as a device in, in other films about if I run into my other self, it's going to cause a I disappear. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So time cop, if you touch yourself, then you both of you disintegrate. Yes. Uh, Back to the future. It was theorized that if old Jennifer saw young Jennifer, then either there were to be a cascade talk, event. Have a problem with their life choices? Probably. That too. Oh, that's the fifth timeline. <laughs> but uh, there would be a cascade event that would ripple and then it, it collapse the whole space time continuum. Or, as Doc said, she could just pass out. And she just passed, passed out, out, which is nice. Not so quick. Can we move on to WTF moments? Go ahead. Because I think we could talk about the time travel, whatever, forever. But, but one more thing about the time travel. Yes. This is very much Hollywood time travel. How so? 
it's it's either Hollywood time travel or it's multiversal time travel because Hollywood time travel would be it's a single timeline, but I can still mess things or change things in this in the single timeline that I'm in. Whereas traditional time travel for the single timeline, it should be I can't mess things up because it's already happened. Mm-hmm. So anything that's happened, I've already made happen, but I can't unmake happen. So I'm I'm stuck in this. I have no free will. I'm stuck in this this whatever I'm doing. I'm doing. Whereas Hollywood time travel, whenever they do a single timeline, it's I have to go back. And now I made a paradox, and then all of a sudden, oh no. And we know that if time travel existed, one, if time travel existed, that that paradox wouldn't collapse the space time continuum because we're how, right here right now. How do we know that? We're right here right now. We're talking. Okay. So, Are you sure? So time is is still a thing. I mean, it's not a thing, but it's still. And we know there's it. some kind of accumulated changes because of the sh- because the idea that the shotgun event had to be engineered to a certain extent. So you know they fucked up once or twice in that, <laughs> yeah. and at least. And then where the hell did Granger come from? That is an indication that something has gone terribly, terribly wrong. Yes. That he's in there and we get no explanation for what happened there. So obviously you're right. There's there's that there are lasting changes they're making from monkeying around in this. Yeah. So this could very well be multiversal because. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Well, because Granger then isn't a problem anymore after they go back and stop things. But I, I think that's what's really cool about this movie is that it did not try to explain all of the everything regarding the time travel. Yes. Which is why we can have conversations. And like we this. also never find out what went wrong that allowed Granger to get in that damn box to begin with. How did he find out about this? How did mm-hmm. he get access to the box? Who did he have to kill to get access to that box? This is a, the explanation that they make for this time travel movie, which is nothing is better than Endgame. I still have but Endgame's not. But Endgame's not a not science fiction. It's a yes, comic it book movie. It's a comic there, book movie. It's there's not a giant green guy. <laughs> it's not. So, all right. When I say it's not science fiction, it's not about time travel as a concept. It's about grief. It's about like any number of other or loss or uh, about any number of other things that time travel was a simple plot device to resolve. I mean, a comic book, a comic book shit is never about time travel as a concept. It's science fantasy, not science fiction. Yeah. Yeah. I right? go more that well, direction. I would argue science fiction for Marvel just because they try and keep in the realm of science still. Well, like even Marvel comic comics science. <laughs> well, I know. I know. But like even when Marvel started uh, with Iron Man, let's say not with Iron Man, but when, when Stanley started with Iron Man, he didn't dumb down the things for the kids. He even said he wanted to say transistors, even though that's not how transistors work, but he wanted to say transistors and make this big word. So kids had to go and look it up what that was and then possibly be interested in engineering or possibly interested in. So in what you're things. saying is that Primer is a comic book movie. I mean, it could be. Uh, that's what he too, did. Primer is too boring to be a comic book movie. <laughs> <laughs> it could be. It could have been done as a like a like an indie graphic novel, but it's not. Or or and then made into a movie from that, but it's not. It's not Marvel stuff. I like the or even um, DC. He says dismissively. <laughs> I like. I liked a lot of things about this movie. I'm gonna shot well. The sound was awful. 
Yes. I, I think I think where I probably uh, benefited from others is I watched it with the captions on. Yeah, and I, I do that. I did that the second time, but unfortunately I was watching it on YouTube. So yeah. it was the auto, it was the generated and they were awful. They, they weren't even no, they the, were the actual like half right. Captions um, helped at least made me feel better about what I was. I thought, <laughs> you didn't, I, understood. I thought you didn't like to read movies. I don't, but I, I don't know if it was, I think I started watching this when I put my kids to bed and having the thing turned way up loud isn't always a great idea there. Yeah. So, um, and then it was kind of mumbly, like the sound mix on this film is not good. Um, but anyway, WTF moments. Yes. Let's move on. I only remember one. I had lots, but I only remember one. What's that? The first one. So they are wearing white shirts throughout this whole entire thing. The four engineers. Uh, I do believe that at one point somebody wears a different color shirt, but it's not any of our like main, light blue or something. Yeah, it's not one of any, neither of our two Abe or Aaron. That crazy rebel. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> which would actually have you know maybe you know you use color sometimes for character change. Obviously, Luke Skywalker, a great example. Um, and they need some. Uh, what do they need from the catalytic converter? Something. Oh, um, uh, palladium, palladium, palladium. Yep. Yep. So they, Aaron takes a saw to go under the car and cut off the catalytic converter. He does, in fact. <laughs> yes, he does do that. The shot we get is him just standing up, and his shirt is entirely white and clean. And you look, and they give a, a lighter shot, and the ground is wet and dirty, and there's no way that shirt's going to be white. Yeah. That pulled me out. Wow, that did. Yes, okay. that did. Because right. like, I, I, because I was watching rather intently even though I was reading and that was one of those things that just stood out to me as being false. That's my only WTF moment that I can remember. Alan, did you have a WTF moment or two? Uh, I don't know if I had WTF moments, but I did have some unresolved issues. Oh, of course. Number one, I, I, I like I said before, I'd love to know what the other projects were, but uh, <laughs> beyond that, uh, let's see. Uh, uh, the well, number one, the engineer, the the entire what do they do with old engineers line? I, I just I just don't understand the world these guys are in. I guess, but beyond that, um, so did they ever punch Joseph Platts? <laughs> they were going to. So yeah. That's, so that's I'm wondering thing. if that's what went wrong. I'm wondering if that's what caused Aaron to go bad. Well, so Aaron, I think he went back, punched his boss or whoever Platts was. I thought he was his boss. He was a guy that I I thought he was a guy that stole money from them. (laughs) So his boss, but (laughs) (laughs) he definitely is the boss. That's how he's set up. Platts, the boss. Okay, But he's got authority in any event. And I think that Aaron punches him. And then he gets a taste for power, and that's why he goes like all Machiavellian. Uh, because there's nothing else that we see other than just the entire idea of, hey, this time travel stuff is crazy, that would cause him to do that. Well, I guess interrupting the, sh- interrupting the attempted shooting would be the other one, where he becomes a hero, and thus he gets a taste for power. The... The scene where Abe is sleeping in his bed and kids at three in the morning go by and hit cars to turn the car. Yeah, 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 yeah. Is the moment where Abe thinks we can go back in time and try and stop things and see. If so I works. can get some damn sleep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Which is nice. It's a it's a very um, 
it's a very selfish motive. It's a selfish motive, but it's a small thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So if he can, because he had this, but that he had this idea though of stopping the kids from turning the car alarms on. If he stops the kids from turning the car alarms on, he never wakes up. He never has the idea to go back in time to stop the kids. So he's trying to do this little itty bitty experiment. Abe is the smartest one, I think, ever of any time travel thing because he's the one that takes baby steps, takes precautions, thinks this stuff through. Well, Aaron's it. the well, Aaron's the dumbass who leaves his phone on and all yeah. that other stuff. I mean, and by that point, he just it might not even be oh. dumb. He just might not give a shit at that point that he's already messed with things so much. That point um, of the film, that's where this uh, kind of references a little bit of somewhere in time. Another awesome. time travel movie. Just the awareness of the other and oh, yeah. not being of this time or that there's something weird going on to take you out of the moment of time travel well, that you're in. And that's actually, going back, that's actually more important because that's the catalyst for them thinking they can change things because they didn't think they could change things before. And when Aaron's phone goes off in the hotel room and then after they go back in time and the same time his phone goes off in his pocket when they're on the street because they've gone back that day, they don't know how cell phones work. So they don't know if both phones are getting the phone call Mm -hmm. or if just his phone is now and past Aaron's phone isn't. So uh, that was, and I'll just go on record. That's unrealistic. Uh, engineers would totally think they know how cell phones work and would totally <laughs> just just tell whatever bullshit thing they thought how cell phones work and go right ahead. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but that is the catalyst. Because they wouldn't want to embarrass themselves in front of their bros. But anyway, that's true. That is the catalyst that, that Aaron thinks, what would you do if you can go back in time and, and not have to worry about any consequences of him wanting to go back and punch that guy in the face? And yeah. then- Abe thinks he can test an idea of that because that's idea has already been out. So now it's going to be constantly in their mind because they could possibly do anything they wanted to and have no consequences because they, they can just go back and stop themselves. And so he wants to go back and do the, uh, the car horn thing, the car alarm thing, so that if it works, then they can go back and punch the dude in the face, have that feeling, and then stop themselves from doing it, thus not worrying about it. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and again, I find myself wondering if if Aaron really did it, and I do think he did. I, I think that's one of the now. I, I if I watched this religiously multiple times, I might find some evidence for that. But well, and it's set up. I mean, throughout this entire film, where Abe is the more deliberate, careful, thoughtful one. Oh yes. yeah. Um, even I think it's fascinating how Abe teaches Aaron about time travel and what the machine can do because he walks him through the entire from the beginning of what they found out the box could do takes him to go talk to the crazy yeah two two crazy scientists right like or two relatively odd scientists yeah then takes him and this is where cinematically they do a really good job takes him to the u-haul storage station Mm -hmm. and leads him to he's basically leading Aaron to the conclusions that Abe came to so instead of giving him the answer He's he's showing him guide on the side versus instructor, you know, stage on the stage. And, well, he also knows that Aaron's not going to believe him if he just says it yes. directly. Yeah. So he has to walk him through. Yeah. All he, he also said, I'm walking you slowly into this so that you can. Yeah, he even said so you can believe me, but yes. also so you can wrap your mind around this, too. 
Yes. And, and, and that was hilarious. I, I almost laughed out loud when I saw the camera kind of pan over when they're talking about, Hey, yeah, we need a place or Aaron, I think has a line. Yeah. We need to find a place to do it. And then it pans over. And yeah. The, yeah. Yeah. George was right like, by the U-Haul. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And, and the major reason I thought of it was because uh, I had friend, hi, Jamie, who in uh, after college was doing film and stuff. He made a uh, firefly uh, fan film. Okay. And uh, we used a storage container for the spaceship. Oh, nice. Ah, That's cool. That's a good idea. Yes. I miss Firefly. Fuck you, Joey. Yeah, but he made a good show. (laughs) A couple of good shows. Yeah, so did, so did, uh, what's his name? Phil Speck. Was it Phil Speck? Hitler. (laughs) (laughs) Hitler Hitler was a painter. Thank you very much. Yes. He's me. He is okay. It's kids. Why you shouldn't go into art. (laughs) Oh, jeez. Well, Spectre made lots of good albums, actually. Oh, yeah, that's right. Who was the guy? Polanski? Who was the... Who's the film guy that was? Oh, you're thinking uh, oh, all of them. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, Hitchcock, even, Hitchcock even said you should treat actors like cat. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, because he felt that he was the one that was in charge and they were his puppets. But you, you have to have that level of ego to think you have anything worthy to create. That's it's true. I don't know about that. It's true. A little less ego, maybe a little yeah. less little less yeah kind of like me did no we'll talk about that later um so do you have any quotes alan i do quotable quotes all right let's see if i can dr love where's where's the button what is that that's me not having a producer (laughs) (laughs) pressing the buttons go ahead alan Uh, all right then there were days good days when by anyone's judgment they would be considered clever i thought that would be a good tagline and then other uh let's see the other one no one would say what they were doing was complicated <laughs> i think that describes <laughs> that's us. from the, that's the very beginning yes. isn't it yeah, yeah. he's talking about the people in the garage if we had a garage that's where we'd be i think why a garage because that's just where it's you the do. nerd's natural habitat yeah. other than the basement yeah. i'd be in the basement well, he does play D D. Yeah, exactly. They need a dungeon. My only quote, and I think this could be another tagline, is what the hell is this thing? <laughs> yes. 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 Or here's another one. The words wouldn't go back after they'd been uttered aloud. <gasps> yeah, because they're talking about him wanting to punch that guy and then going back and stopping. Yep, yep. Yeah. Uh there's always leaks. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Well, that was yep. that was awesome. The accuracy with which they kind of portrayed um the time travel device or the not accuracy, the, the assumed simplicity and radio shack parting of building a time machine versus what sometimes we get. Well, we definitely get in something like um, uh, the Marvel universe. Oh, right? definitely. I mean, yeah. But back to future, same way. They wanted to make it look like it was made in a, yeah. a garage. Spare pinball parts. <laughs> Uh, incidentally, if this season goes on long enough, I will uh, inflict upon you guys uh, the movie that probably does the worst job of kit bashing a time machine. Which is? Uh, it's a little movie called Time Chasers. Let's yes. just say, let's just say that a Commodore sixty four plays a role in time travel. Nice. Well, so let's talk about what we're going to do this season. Um, what I thought. No, it was that last season, but this episode. Um, 
you know, we are, we, we've been, we've been kind of loose with the rules of, of what we do. We've, we've interjected some bonus episodes based on people dying, but I mean, more than anything else. Um, and we're uh, going to do that again. If I have my druthers and, and this whole thing here, right? Like this podcasting is basically a time travel movie because we talk about things that we might do and not do. And like what we did with the Zorro movie, we went back and reshot and did some different things. Wow. We are time travelers. Well, I found out that my mom actually listens to this and she, oh, asked, she asked, why the hell does it take you guys so long to put out an episode? Really? Yeah. And you're looking at me incredulously. Yeah. Hey, Cause I got three other fucking jobs. How about that for a fucking deal? And they all pay me money, mom. Hey, Ma Clink. <laughs> Uh, if you're looking to sponsor a podcast, Ma Clink, now would be no, the time. No, no, no. <laughs> Hi, Mom Clink. What should we call her? Mom Clink, I guess. I Mama know. Clink? That's weird. Did you ever watch Mama's Family? One of my favorite shows growing up. So weird. I watched Mama's Family by default. I think yeah, that was. Uh, loved it. I watched it on purpose that, by myself. That uh, Family Feud and um, not The Price is Right. The Price is Right were on during the weekday yeah. when you were sick. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I've got I've got my first film for this season of time travel. Stuff. You already did one. No, I didn't. Star Trek four. Oh, shit. We're oh, wait, this is I thought this was the first. This episode of the this season. is the first episode. <laughs> this is the, the first really... official episode. No, no, no. This is the first episode. Oh. Star Trek four has already been will be. You see, we're time <laughs> <Done>. travelers. <laughs> yes, that one was done in the car. Kind of like my conception. Um, wow. <laughs> wow. Just seeing if you're listening, mom. <laughs> uh, so I do have my next movie though. So, so as we did Star Trek four, just kind of kick off the season because Fathom events did it. We saw it in theater together as bros. Um, and now it's Alan's turn. So I know Alan has a pick and then I have a pick and then we can probably end this unless there's anything else that we didn't cover. Clink, since this is your movie, we will give you that. Permission. I don't think so. I mean, it's, Crazy, crazy movie. I highly recommend, just like everything else, Galaxy Lords to uh, Star Crash. I Galaxy highly... Lords 2? Wait, there's, there's, there's a an, sequel? Is there a second? <laughs> uh, in this one, they... Never mind. Alan, Alan, Alan. what was your pick? <laughs> All right, so my pick is going to be 1984's Trancers by one Charles Band. That was a good year. Nice. Uh, it is an insane movie, and it features a very, very young Helen Hunt. Nice. I like Helen Hunt. I'm mad about her. No, that's good. That's, they brought that show back. Really? Yeah. I don't know how long it lasted, though. I'm not going to tell you what I'm going to pick. I was about to say, do you even have a pick? I do have a pick. Oh, wow. Okay. Because before it's been, what's your well, pick? You have a whole week. And then right be seconds before you actually were to launch your pick, you just well, look it up. So... <laughs> I'm trying to be better for all of you. Oh, that doesn't today doesn't track then. <laughs> I'm setting the bar exceptionally low. <laughs> um, but I'm going to go with the film because I think what we're we're so Star Trek for um, notwithstanding, you know, you pick this as kind of like a primer for for time travel films. <laughs> kind of. Yeah. Alan is transfer. Kind of in the same vein. Trancers, or- uh, Trancers is a um, kind of it's a sci fantasy action movie thing. Okay. And then I'm going to go with frequently asked questions about time travel because I feel like that's what we're going to be doing 
the rest of the like season. That too. You may have, and you may have not. So I found the worst movie. I looked up the worst movies in time travel because Google's. Of course them. you did, because that's your mission to make me watch dumb shit. Uh, Alan does it too. No, Alan's movies are like the Apple, which is amazing. <laughs> well, Transters, I love it. I don't know what you guys are going to think of it. What did we learn? Oh, I've seen this one. Frequently asked questions about yeah, time travel. It's a really yeah. good time travel movie. I feel like so. I'm, I feel like frequently asked questions about time travel is a. It's different than Primer, but it's still a fairly accurate representation of time travel. If I remember right, yeah. yeah. So that that's what I'm trying to set the basis of, and then we can get into all stupid, fantastical shit like Back to the Future. Uh, Transfers for that matter. Awesome, fantastical shit. Thank you very much. Yes. What did we learn, Clink? I learned that if I'm going to go back in time, I'm going to be smart about it and not tell my dumbass friend, Vanderpool. You might be a time traveler. <laughs> we don't know. Speaking of which, quick story. <laughs> Stephen Hawking threw a, a party for time travelers. He set the party up. He had the party go. After the party was done, he sent out the invitations. Nobody showed up. I, I've done something similar to that. Like Stephen <laughs> Hawking and I could be the same person. No. Yes. <laughs> because I, I put a note in my drawer to my future self. Hey, come back in time and save me. And then I never came back. <laughs> Can't even save yourself. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I never seriously did that though. Like, tried to time travel. It's sad. Did you ever try to time travel? I, I mean, I can't. Without the help of hallucinogens. No, I can't time travel because I didn't work on any kind of apparatus. Usually, if there's an apparatus, hmm. you know, which actually, where there's magic. About. Well, no, we didn't talk about that. So usually there's some sort of apparatus or something that makes you go back in time. Somewhere in time was the penny. No. Yeah. Right? What was the No, no. no. Spoiler alert, it wasn't the penny. <laughs> Fucker. That's like the whole thing. Anyways, what was the what was the, the That was probably one of the most uh, we'll talk about in the future. But back to future you had the DeLorean. Um, Dr. Hugh, you have the TARDIS. Uh, you have Bill and Ted with the the, the, the phone, yeah, uh, phone booth. Phone booth. So you have all these things. I forget what Pegasus got married. I, I think it was a head injury. Okay. Was it? That's not a device. That's but it's, it's some a sort of, Yeah, I guess McGovern. But usually there's a device. Usually. Okay. Or and a magic. Then, what was the magic one? Uh, let's see. Outlander, uh, where Claire oh. travels through a stand through standing stones. That move. That uh, I don't remember how the time travel happens in Warlock, which, by the way, is going to be one of my picks later on, along with conceivably, if we've got time, the first episode of Outlander. <laughs> Outlander. <sighs> I was tricked into listening to the books on that. Because I thought it was going to be about time travel. It's a romance story with time travel sprinkled in as an afterthought. And as it magic. No, it, it made me mad. Anyways, magic. Alan, what did you, Alan learn? What'd you learn? I learned <laughs> never trust the backers of your project. Oh, and by the way, you can support us on Patreon. <laughs> not yet. I think we should start an OnlyFans. Oh, God. It's not just for the porny anymore. Isn't uh, that's I, Alan's first sigh? 
at an hour in. <laughs> no, I sighed earlier. You, oh, just, first you, audible you just weren't paying attention. <laughs> kind of like this movie. This movie makes total sense if you don't pay attention to the whole thing. What did you learn, Vanderbilt? You know what I learned? What I learn? learned that this is a whole lot better without Shirley. Oh, jeez. <laughs> Hi, Shirley. <laughs> All right, folks. We will see you next time on Because You Watched Whoosh, Star Crash. From me, Mike Vanderpool, Dr. Alan Barris, and Michael Clink, making you think and also drink. Say bye, folks. Bye, folks. Bye, folks. <laughs>